A few weeks ago, my wife and I were walking around our neighborhood, and as we're walking through one of these side streets, all of a sudden I saw a steak knife just sitting out in the middle of the street. I thought to myself, well, that's not good, man. That's dangerous. I'm not just going to leave that there. God forbid a kid would come by or maybe even, you know, somebody would drive over it and have a flat tire issue. And so I picked the knife up, and I'm standing there in the middle of the street, and Kelly goes, what are you doing? And I said, well, I saw the knife, so I just picked it up. I didn't want anybody to get to hurt or whatever, you know. And I said, why? She says, well, what if it was used in a crime and now your DNA is on it? And I'm standing there holding the knife in the middle of the street like, oh no, like what do I do right now, you know? So then all of a sudden I start evaluating all of these steps. Like what should I do? Like do I, you know, do I put it in my pocket? Like what do I do right now? And then all of a sudden Kelly goes, oh no, someone's looking at us through a window. Come on. I'm like, what is going on right now in my life? Is this a setup? Like what is happening right now? So like do I put it in my pocket? Do I drop it? Do I throw it at the lady in the window? Like, like what do I do with this knife? What are my options right now? And so I ended up just shoving it in my pocket. But then I'm evaluating everything I'm doing the rest of the walk. I'm looking behind me. Is someone following me? Is there a cop following me? I, I get home. I'm like thinking very carefully how I dispose of this. What do I do right now? You know? And I just evaluated every little step. And I was a little paranoid for a while. But sometimes it's in life. In life, it's important to evaluate. You know? And often before we make a mistake like that, you know, often we should think things through and evaluate. And what, that's what we're going to do here in this series is kind of evaluate some things in our lives and in our hearts and in our church and just try to figure out, are we healthy people? Are we a healthy church? You know? And I'm not talking about being physically healthy. I mean, that's great and all, but I'm talking about being healthy in here. Are we healthy in our hearts and in our souls, really? And then as a church. We don't really think about this very often, do we? You know? Like I can tell you, on a church level, you go to a conference somewhere, they're not probably going to talk too much about are your people healthy. They're going to try to help you get better at what you do as far as your preaching or get better as far as what you do about your worship band or how to reach more people and reach the community. And that's all great stuff. That's important. But almost never at a conference for pastors do you hear somebody get up on the stage and say, are the people in your church healthy? And, and are you as a pastor even, Doug, are you healthy, you know? And, and, you know, I hang out with pastors once in a while, and everybody asks this question. How big's your church? Oh, how many people come? How big's your church? No one ever asks you, are the people in your church healthy? Like, the, the mission statement of our church is to help people center their lives around Jesus. And so, are we doing that? Is that happening here? Are we actually getting closer to Jesus, or are we all just a bunch of people who show up on Sunday and do something because it's Sunday, right? And so, in this series, we're going to talk about being healthy people who make up a healthy church. And I think one of the things we struggle with is just looking at our own lives and saying, am I a healthy person? Like, is my soul refreshed in God? Am I where I'm, I should be with Jesus? And, and is that all kind of helping me play everything out in the rest of my life the way that it should? And so we're going to work on that throughout this series. What does it look like to be healthy people who make up a healthy church? Because that's what will happen. I mean, we could sit here all day and say, let's be a healthy church, let's be a, let's be a healthy church. But if the individuals who make up the church aren't healthy, then we're never going to quite get there. And so what does it look like to be healthy people who make up a healthy church? There's a few different ways that we can struggle with this, right? I mean, as we think about how our lives play out and the different areas of our lives, there are different ways we struggle to just be sort of healthy people. And I'm going to talk about a few of these over the next few weeks. But today, I actually want to talk a lot about how important having a healthy schedule is. And that might sound like a really weird thing to talk about in church, but it's incredibly important. Because here's what I, I hear all the time as I talk with you guys, and, and I sometimes give this answer well, as well. Hey, how's everything going? Well, good, but I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy, right? I'm so incredibly busy. And let me ask you a question if any of these phrases describe you. You just think about your own self, all right? Pulled in a thousand directions. Exhausted. Can't catch my breath. Can't keep my head above water. Too much on my plate, Right? When those terms describe us, here's what's going on probably in our lives. 
Our busyness is probably impacting our relationship with Jesus, right? Our closeness with God. Our busyness is probably also impacting those other relationships in our lives as well, right? Our marriage, some of our single people, just our own health as single people, right? And so the busyness that we find ourselves in sometimes is really devastating to our relationship with Jesus and with one another. Last month, my family was so busy that one day I was given a task, a very simple task for my wife. She said, hey, can you run down into the basement and can you change the laundry from the washer to the dryer? I said, absolutely. And so I ran down there and guys, I'm just telling you right now, you should be proud of me. I nailed it. Like I, I killed it, right? Every wet piece of clothing got out of that washer and into that dryer. I came down an hour later and we were supposed to leave for the boys game to find I hadn't turned the dryer on, all right? And so that's what happens when we are so incredibly busy. So how did the Jansen family drive to the baseball game? Well, Kelly had Cade's shirt hanging out one window. I had his pants hanging out the other, right? That's what you want to do as a teenager. Drive down the, shirt, the, the road with your, your pants hanging out the window, right? And it worked. It worked. It all dried out. But, but that was a byproduct of my extreme and total busyness, right? And so we've all been there. And when we get so busy and everything gets so crazy, often those important aspects of our lives get impacted in a negative way. And so that's where some of you are today. You woke up going, oh, I'm so busy. But some of us aren't there. Know where we are? We're just distracted. We're just distracted. We're not all that busy. All right, life's busy and stuff. But, but more than busy, we are just distracted at this stage of our life. And maybe this will apply more to some of the younger people in our audience here today. Maybe some of the young professionals, some of the college students, some of the young kids. And, and you may be busy as well, too. Maybe you find yourself in the other category. But sometimes I just think we find ourselves distracted. And those distractions keep us from the closeness with Jesus. Keep us with being healthy in our souls and in our hearts. Being healthy as a church. You know, sometimes the distractions are just as simple as Netflix, man. You know, and nothing against Netflix. I enjoy it. But when it's all we enjoy, there's a problem, right? Sometimes it's trying to get stuff so we can acquire things. It's stuff. And we're, we're so busy and we're so distracted with just trying to get our hands around some more things in our lives, right? Sometimes it's social media. And again, I enjoy social media too. But man, sometimes we're so obsessed with it that we are not spending any time with Jesus or doing the things he's called us to do, right? Sometimes it's video games or sometimes it's Fortnite. I don't even consider Fortnite a video game. It is a, a living entity. It is alive. It sucks souls in. I'm telling you right now, right? Now, I have to tell you something about Fortnite. Unless you're this guy named Ninja who makes $500,000 a month streaming himself playing Fortnite, you need to get a real job aside from Fortnite, okay? I'm just going to throw that out there for anybody in that distracted range right now, okay? Now, none of the things I brought up are wrong. None of the things I brought up are sin. But, again, it comes back to, are we so distracted by these things, we're missing Jesus, and we're missing the things Jesus is calling us to do. So where do you find yourselves? In the, busy, in the busyness or in the distractedness? Or maybe even you might say, both. See, we don't realize what a huge deal this is. You might say, come on, seriously, we're talking about our schedules today? We're talking about busyness and distraction? I want to tell you something today. Your schedule is spiritual. Your schedule is spiritual. In fact, your schedule is one of the most powerful things in your life. Your schedule has some of the greatest impact on your spirituality. Isn't that true? Because some of us would literally say, man, when's the last time I spent time with Jesus? Oh, like last week. Why? I was so busy. Oh, wow. A week went by, I was so distracted, right? Your schedule is spiritual. And we wrestle with this kind of stuff. Somebody once said, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy, right? And, and I'd like to add to that. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy or distracted, okay? 
So often the devil comes at us and he's trying to throw temptation at us. He's trying to throw, you know, sin at us. And sometimes we see through that and we go, nah, I'm not going to fall for that. But where he might get us is in our busyness or in our distractedness. So today I want to talk with you about a word we don't talk about a lot in church, but we should. It's a word called boundaries. Boundaries. We need boundaries in our lives. We need boundaries in our schedules and with our distractions. The word boundary is this. It's a line that marks the limits of an area, a dividing line. And so I have one right up here on the stage with me, right? And some of us don't use this boundary often enough in our lives. So we say yes to our schedule, right? But we say no to that time with Jesus. And we don't realize how crazy that is. And guys, we all struggle with this, okay? So I'm not talking down on anybody today. But we don't realize how crazy it is that when we don't have this line in place, when we haven't said, okay, no, 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 this is my time with Jesus, so everything else is over here, and I'm here, and it's just me and him. When we don't have that time, we are saying no to that closeness with our Savior. We're saying no to the closeness with our Savior, which then inspires love for those who are hard to love in our lives. And we wonder sometimes why our marriages are struggling. Well, do we have this time blocked off with Jesus? Right? We say no sometimes to Jesus, and then we struggle to have patience in our lives with those that it's hard to have patience with. And we wonder why sometimes maybe we're not as patient with our kids as we should be, or patient with our parents as we should be. Right? And so this dividing line is so incredibly important. Without a dividing line, a boundary in our life, when it comes to our schedules, our busyness, and our distractedness, then our spiritual lives will suffer, and we won't be the healthy people and the healthy church that I believe God wants us to to be. And so, so often we say yes to our busyness or distractions, and we say no to what God wants us to do, right? We don't just say no to him and the relationship he wants to have with us on a daily basis. We say no to the things he might call us to do. And I just want to encourage you, God has designed you and placed you in the job you have, the school you go to, the neighborhood you live in, all of this to do things through you. Every single one of you, a specific thing God has wanted to accomplish through your life. How awesome is that? But when we don't have this boundary line in place, we miss out on that. You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to be a great spouse, an amazing spouse. And some of us, because we've removed this boundary line in our lives and we haven't spent time with Jesus in a long time, and we've maybe said yes to all these other distractions, we're not the spouse God is calling us to be. Some of us, it's about being the parent God wants us to be. And getting some boundary lines in our lives would, man, Just fuel those relationships with our kids. Now, some of you guys in the room are middle school, high school, young adults, college students. You're like, I'm not married. I don't have kids, Doug. Okay, when I was 19 years old, I met a guy named Ron Belsterling. He was a professor at my college. I was going to school to be a pastor. And this guy had a great family. He loved his wife so well. He loved his kids so well. And as a 19-year-old, long curly hair, big beard, Christian ladies, metal shirts on all the time, sitting in his classes. I'm learning to become a pastor. I couldn't tell you, I hope Ron's not watching the live stream, because I couldn't tell you much Ron said, although he impacted me, and I'm sure there are things I'm living out today because he helped me get there. But I can tell you what Ron did say about boundary lines. He said this. He said, Doug, listen to me. He said, there's all the students. Most pastors don't have these in their lives. And so they put their ministry before their family, and then their families fall apart, and then their ministries fall apart. He said, get a dividing line in your life. Get a boundary in your life. Make sure you do not put ministry before your family. That impacted me so much. So you might say today, well, I'm a high schooler. I mean, my son is 14, sitting in the back. We all need to hear this today and maybe file it away, some of us in the room, so that one day when we are married, one day when we are parents, that we'll make sure we have those boundary lines in our lives that are healthy, 
But even more than that, let me say this. If you're single here today, be a healthy single person. God wants that for you. See, there's something going on in some of our lives today. We are waiting as single people going, okay, I, you know, eventually I'm going to get married. Eventually maybe I'll be a parent. That'll be great. I look forward to that. And you should. That's great. But some of us are sitting back and we're waiting to do certain things that maybe God even wants us to do now. And we're kind of putting them off. Let me ask you this question, single people in the room. What are you waiting to do then that God wants you to focus on now? Is there something in your life that, that God wants to do to mature in you, to, to, to get in the right place, to get even in the right perspective so that when he or she does come along and then when the kids do come along, wow, you're already close with Jesus. And you already have some boundary lines in place for you. Let me ask you this. What about being a great friend, right? God wants you to be a great friend. Some of us, we don't even have the boundary lines in place to be able to be the friend God wants us to be. What about this? God wants us, every one of us, to shine brightly in this world. Some of us are so busy, we can't even remember the last time we spent time with somebody that needs Jesus, right? God wants us to shine brightly, and these boundary lines impact all of our lives. Can I encourage you with one last little application here before we move on? God wants you to rest. He wants you to rest. And when we don't have these boundary lines in place, rest is not going to happen. Sometimes we have to come to the end of ourselves and say, okay, I'm but dust, right? I am frail. I need to lay down. I need to rest. I need to sleep. I need to relax. I had another professor in college, another guy who greatly impacted me, and he said sometimes the most spiritual thing we can do is take a nap. Everybody's like, amen to that, right? right? Okay, don't abuse that one, right? But he said, seriously, sometimes we are just exhausted and God would graciously look at you and me and say, hey, get a boundary line in place, say no to some things, say no to some people, and go relax. Go and rest. When we don't have boundary lines in place, the results can be devastating. In 2007, uh, 2013, a train derailed and killed 79 people. And they asked the conductor about what happened, and, and he, he was clueless. I, I can't figure out what happened. And then they, they looked back at the video, and they were able to determine that he was going 119 miles per hour around a curve on a certain track where the speed limit was half of that. And so ignoring those boundaries had devastating results. And the same will be true for you and I. As people, as we just push ourselves, push ourselves, and we say yes to all the wrong people, and we miss out on that time with God, the results can be devastating. As we Say yes to all the other things, but no to what God might want to do in and through us. Those results can be so devastating. Sometimes it's busyness. Sometimes it's distraction. You know that nine people every single day in our country are killed because of distracted drivers? And again, the same distractions in our lives can be devastating to our lives. And so we're going to work through this here today and talk about these boundaries, listen, that God graciously gives you and I. God graciously, lovingly looks at you and I and says, hey, I love you so much. I want to have time with you, and I want you to be healthy to have time with others and make a difference in this world. And so this is a very relevant thing for you and I as we live in probably the busiest place on the earth, as I like to call it, good old Long Island, right? If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here today going, wow, this is not something I expected to hear about in church today. But let me encourage you. This means that God... Think about that. God wants a day-to-day, moment-to-moment relationship with you. Like he wants to be involved in your day. So it's not just about coming on Sunday and you hear somebody speak and they sing some songs and then you go. No, God designed you to have a relationship with you and be close to you throughout the week. And he cares about the things you do. That's incredible. He wants to be a part of all that. He wants to be a part of those those decisions. And he wants to impact others through your life. And at the very end of the message, I want to share something 
amazing that Jesus has done for you and for me. So we're going to look at the life of Jesus for a few minutes here today and see how he handled all this. I mean, who was busier than Jesus? Who had more important things to do than Jesus did, right? But let's check out Mark chapter 1, verse 29. It says this, As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases, and he also drove out many demons. Jesus literally has the whole town at his door. He's doing important things. I don't know about you, thankfully, I've never woken up with all of Center Reach at my door, right? I'm so thankful my whole town's not at my door. But Jesus has his whole town at his door, and they're bringing all these people who need healing and need to be freed from demons. And they, I mean, incredibly important stuff. And honestly, Jesus was busy, right? But look at the very next verse. Look what it says, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Dividing line. Boundary. Jesus says, okay, I got a lot to do. There's a lot of people to reach. I have been reaching a lot of people. I need to rest. I need to seek my Father. I need to get up early. So everybody else is over there. The whole town's over there. Disciples are over there. And Jesus says, I'm over here. Because I need to seek my Father. I need to be with God right now. Some of you guys are looking at this going, oh, I kind of like that. If I get one of these and kind of wrap myself my chair and my TV in it, that would be great. You know? Well, yeah, 6750, Amazon.com. This can, be very, this can be yours, right? But Jesus had this boundary in place for a great reason. He knew he had to be with his Father. He knew if he didn't say yes to his Father, he wouldn't say yes to anybody else throughout the day, right? And so what do we learn from Jesus here? Jesus created boundaries to ensure he had time with his Father. And think about this. If anybody could have gotten by without this time, if anybody could have gotten by based on talent, gifting, anointedness, all that stuff, it would have been Jesus, right? Because he's God in the flesh. But no, he sets an amazing example for you and me. I need my boundary time. I need to be with my Father. And so here's what we can learn from this. Healthy people and healthy churches create boundaries to ensure they have time with God. You and I desperately need that. If we're going to be the healthy people and the healthy church God wants us to be. We as a church have this boundary in place. When our full-time staff gathers, we pray. Every single time we gather, it's not like, oh God, thank you for this you know, time, just bless the meeting, amen. No, we really seek God together. And we're crying out to God for you. We're crying out to God for the community around us. We're crying out to God to do great things and provide us a new building and, and to come through in awesome ways and to reach the people that need him and really seeking Jesus and putting all the other stuff on the other side of this boundary line, saying, eh, yeah, yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll critique last weekend. We'll figure out this date and how the college retreat's going to get paid for. We'll figure out, okay, great, great. We'll get to all that. But, but let's seek God first. And on Fridays, we do something called a prayer drive. And we jump in my car. We've been doing this for probably at least 10 years. We, we jump in my car every Friday, and I drive everybody around, and we just drive through neighborhoods, and we pray, and we ask Jesus to do amazing things in the neighborhoods and show up. And we just want to be out of you know, the office walls, so to speak, and really out here. When this past Friday, we ended up praying all around this neighborhood. We drove up and down the streets, and our youth pastor, Joey, that the only, uh, always jokes that the only praying he gets done is that he won't die because of my driving. <laughs> but I figure, hey, I'm still getting him closer to Jesus. You know, I mean, he can say anytime he's with me, he's closer to God. That's awesome. That's his pastor and friend. I'll, I'll take it, right? But every Sunday, we gather, 
and our team comes together. And guys, I got to tell you, every Sunday it's like crazy. I mean, this morning we're having a problem with the stream working in the nursery and we can't get the Wi-Fi going. I mean, there's a million reasons to not pray. But Sunday, we gather our team, we gather our production team, we get our service programming director, we get some of our greeters, and we all go in the room across the hall. We just ask Jesus to show up. We ask the Holy Spirit to move. We ask God to do powerful things. So we have this boundary line in place as a church because we want to be a healthy church. But let me ask you a question. When is this time for you? When do you take this boundary line out and say, okay, I need to be with God. I need to be with Jesus, me and him. And you know my heart for our church is that we always keep that connection open to God that we always are listening and, and connected to what he's trying to do throughout our day and our week. But there should be a special time when you and I, like Jesus, get up and we spend time with him. When is it for you? Is it early in the morning? You get up and you put this boundary line up before the kids wake up, before you got to be off to work, before you got to be at school. Is it later at night? I'm a night guy. That's when I'm alive. I'm awake. So, I mean, I like to, first thing, I try to open my Bible every single day. My like real time with God is like often at night because that's just when I'm going and I'm ready for it, you know? Some of you guys, it's, it's lunch break. Some of you guys, it's a break at work, a break at school. Some of you guys, it's a commute. When is that time where you draw this boundary line and you spend time with God? And I think this is so important for us because if our soul is healthy, then everything is healthy, right? I mean, maybe not perfect. We still go through stuff, right? But if our soul is off, everything's off. Isn't that true? Like you look around at life and you can be like, wow, things are going all right and we're doing okay and things are pretty good, but I just feel empty. I feel like I got nothing in me. Well, we got to get our souls refreshed in God, right? We need this dividing line. We need this boundary. And the opposite's also true. You can be going through terrible things, but if your soul is healthy, then, then everything's all right. You can get through it. Maybe so-and-so's sick. Or maybe somebody's, you know, having a hard time at work with this or that, but you can get through it because you've had that time with your Savior. You know what I love about Jesus? I love that he understood this whole dynamic of a relationship with his Father as opposed to what he did. For example, Jesus prioritized the relationship, right? He could have been out doing, doing, doing. He could have taken this thing down, right? Got up early that next morning. The whole town was at his door. I'm back. Here we go. Let's pray. Let's preach. Let's do this. Let's heal some people, right? But no, that's not what he did. He got that boundary line in place because he realized this, that Jesus was a son before he was a servant. Do you know what I mean by that? He was a son before he was a servant. He was a child of God before he was a doer for God. Do you know what I mean by that? And sometimes we get this backwards and we don't have the dividing line in place and so we're trying to do and do and do and do and do. And we forget, right? Oh, wait, wait, I'm, I'm a son or a daughter of God first. And yeah, he wants to do some cool things through me, but first, I need to be with him. And so you and I, we gotta be God's kids before we're his servants, before we're people who are trying to do and do and, and create different things for him. You know what I mean? And so God wants to do great things through us, but it all starts with that relationship with him. And Jesus prioritized his relationship with his father. The story continues, verse 36. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. So the disciples are upset with Jesus. Where are you? What are you doing? Do you realize the whole town's looking for you? And so they're, they're there very quickly to point out Jesus has some issues here. And isn't that the pressure that we all face? See, this is a big part of why we don't create boundaries in our lives. People's expectations, right? If I create a boundary, I'm going to disappoint so-and-so. Or I won't be able to come through for them. Or I might not be able to, you know, oh man, help them out. And 
And here's Jesus looking at an entire town of sick people that he could help. But he knew he needed that time alone with his father. Can I just tell you something? You will never meet anyone, everyone's expectations every way, any, anyway. When I was probably, gosh, what was I? It was, I was about 26, I think, when, when Cade was born. And we were so excited, you know. Wow, we got a baby. This is amazing. And, and at the time, I was a youth pastor. And one of the parents came up to us after Cade was born, a few weeks after, and said, uh, you know, Doug, my wife and I were talking, and we really think you guys should have waited to have kids. I go, oh, really? <laughs> Why didn't I consult you? I'm so sorry, right? Who am I to think of when I should have children, my own children, right? Because he said, we, you know, you got, God gave you these youth kids to, to serve, and we really think you should have waited, you know? I, I'll see, I'll talk to the doctor. Maybe we can cook them for a few more years. I don't know, like, like what, what am I supposed to say right now, right? Seriously? You will never live up to people's expectations because they're crazy. People are crazy, right? And so disappointing someone is gonna, it's par for the course, it's gonna happen, right? It's just, who do we disappoint, right? Who are we gonna say no to? We've got to get a boundary line in place. We've got to get this dividing line in place. And here's what I think is so powerful that we learn from Jesus, is Jesus said no to people sometimes so he could say yes to his father all the time. And this is where we struggle. Guys, I struggle with this. This isn't easy. I want people to be happy with me. I want people to like me. I want people to like our church. I want them to be happy with their experience at our church. But we have to learn. Okay, no, I can't do that. But now I can say yes to my father. Now I can say yes to time with him. Now I can say yes to what he might call me to do. Jesus was zeroed in on one person's expectation, and that was his Father in heaven. And that's what you and I need as well. He built that boundary. And because of it, he was healthy in his soul. Then watch this. We're going to see some more boundaries Jesus had in place. Verse 38, Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. This is why, or that is why I have come. Isn't that incredible? Disciples say, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. Come on, where have you been? Jesus, you are so lucky to have us because here we are to help get you back on track. You were, Jesus, I got to tell you, you were off, man. But we're here to get you back on track. And, and Jesus goes, no, 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 no. I'm going to draw this boundary line again, right? I'm going to put this back in place because I spent my time here in this town and now it's time to go to the next one. That's why I'm here. Jesus is about what his father wants him to do. So first, Jesus gets right, and I'm going to prioritize a relationship with my Father in heaven. And second, he gets right, I'm going to do what he wants me to do, and not what all these other people might expect. Jesus says, no, we're going to go and do what the Father is doing. What we see here is Jesus created boundaries to ensure he did what his Father wanted him to do. Jesus put those boundaries in place so we wouldn't get pulled off course. And I think this is what we need to see, guys. This is what we need to learn here is that healthy people and healthy churches create boundaries to ensure we're doing what God wants us to. As a church, we have programmed this way for a lot of years. If you're kind of new to us and you came from another church, you might think, wow, it doesn't seem like this church has all that much going on during the week. Well, we have community groups. We would love for every single one of you to be part of a community group. We have a youth group every Friday night. But aside from that, we don't plan a ton of events, you know. We'll do the tailgate. We'll do the college hangout. we got a men's retreat. You know, when Kelly's better, back to the women's ministry, all that good stuff. But you might say, wow, you know, the church I came from, that seemed like every night of the week the, the, the doors were open. And that's great if that worked at that church. But we purposefully don't do that. And the reason we don't do that is we need guardrails in our lives. And we feel responsible to put some guardrails up for you, too. We want to make sure 
that you have a guardrail in place so that you're not here every night of the week so that you can be with your family. You can grow in God together. I want to make sure you single people, you have time to be healthy and let God do in your own heart what you need done so that you're not here all burnt out and, man, just completely exhausted because you're here every night of the week serving in some way or another. We want to make sure, this is a big one, that we all have time to spend with people who don't believe in Jesus, right? I talked with someone after the the 9.30. He said, man, I grew up in a church. I was at the church every night of the week. I had zero influence in unbelievers' lives because I was always at church. And that's what we find sometimes. We find ourselves in church so often, right, that it almost becomes a bunch of Christians trying to outshine each other inside the four walls of the church. And Jesus is going, get outside the church, right? We need to be out on the ball fields with our kids. Last night, I was at my son's game. And as I'm there, someone starts asking me, oh, I saw your Facebook feed. Uh, you're a pastor. Where are you pastor? And so we start talking about pastor. My father-in-law is there. We start talking about church. My father-in-law is there. She's like, he's like, show him the app. So I got the app out. I'm showing him the app, you know. We need to be out there where the world is living life. We need to be out there doing things we're passionate about alongside other people who are also passionate about it where we can have these conversations about Jesus and inviting people to church. And when we don't have these boundary lines in place, that will never happen. And so we as a church have programmed that way for a long time. And we also are trying to get better and better at keeping an eye on our volunteers, trying to help make sure they're healthy. So recently we've started to limit how many teams people can be on because we don't want you burning out. And recently I stood on this stage at our all staff and said, guys, if you even feel like you're close to burning out, we need to have a conversation because we're not going to fry people out. We want to make sure that volunteering helps you get closer to Jesus, not fries you out so you don't want to be a follower of Jesus. And so we got to put some boundary lines in place. But what about you and your personal lives? Do you have boundary lines in place so you can do what God wants you to do? That's what Jesus did so well. I'm going to make sure my eyes are on him. I'm going to make sure I'm doing what he's doing. I'm going to make sure I'm not worried about this person's opinion or that person's expectation. I'm going to do what he wants me to do. Doug, what does he want you to do? I'll remind you, he wants you to be a great spouse. Not a perfect one. None of us will be, but he wants you to be a great spouse. And some of us don't have this boundary line in place so that we're close enough to Jesus and close enough with our spouse so that's possible. He wants you to be a great parent. And those younger people in the room, you don't have kids yet? Hey, file this away. Let your kids catch you spending time with Jesus. Let your kids catch you reading about God. Let them see you interacting and having conversations with others about Jesus. Have conversations with your kids about God. And let them see that you sometimes say no so that you can just spend time with them. Well, yeah, we could go do that, but you know what? Our family's just going to hang out tonight. Yeah, I could, I could go and, and do that thing, but no, my, my boy's got a game, so I'm going to say no, and maybe I'll catch you next time, right? Let them see those boundary lines in place. It's so incredibly important. Healthy single people. What are those things God wants you to do? Focus on right now so that you can be the husband or wife, parent one day the great friend, the great light in this dark world, and rest. I'm telling you right now, God wants some of you guys to rest. These things are impossible when we aren't willing to say no to some things. And and I think that's our struggle, is saying no. And I just want to remind you something. We always say no to somebody. We always say no to somebody, right? It's just life, because we're limited. We can't be everywhere at once. Everybody wants something from us. We always say no to somebody, and often we say no to God or the things he wants us to do, or we say no to the people closest to us and the people we should be pouring into. And man, what would it look like for you and I to begin a stop doing list, right? The best companies in the world, if you start to dig down deep 
into some of these great companies, Apple and some of these other companies that are just blowing up all around the world, Amazon, right? They have a stop doing list. They literally sit around a board conference table and they, and they sit and talk. What should we stop doing? What are we putting all this effort into with minimal return? And they have a stop doing list. I think as families, as single people, as individuals, we need to start coming up with some stop doing lists. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to have a barrier in place. I'm going to guard this time for my family. And so I hope today, as we're working through some of this stuff, you're starting to think about maybe what needs to change in life so that we can really get past the busyness, past the distractedness, and back to what God really is trying to do in our lives and through our lives. Some of you guys might say, but Doug, this is Long Island, the most expensive place in the world, it feels like, right? How am I supposed to, you know, work less? How am I supposed to have all this time, Doug? I have no time. Well, this is something to pray about, and I'll just throw it out there. It's not easy. I get it. It's hard to live all along. It really is. But maybe some of us, we need to kind of lower our expectations of our standard of living a little bit even if it'll help us have more time with Jesus and to be the person he's calling us to be. Maybe we need to look at what really matters and say, okay, at this time in my life, maybe we can, maybe we can afford a little less if it means that our marriage can get better, if it means our relationships with our kids can get better, if it means that I won't be so exhausted. I can't be the single person that God's calling me to be. If I have no time to spend with those that need Jesus, maybe it'd be worth it. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes. He said, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Brilliant. And Solomon had everything, but he knew it didn't satisfy. And so he says, better one hand with some money in it and some stuff, but have peace than two handful, but you are toiling and chasing after the wind. And the funny thing about chasing after the wind is you're never going to get it. You're never going to catch it, right? It's just going to keep on rolling. And that's so often the mentality, I think, of Long Island is get, 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 and strive and, and work hard. Hey, great, work hard. You should. But sometimes it gets so out of balance that it distracts us from the real stuff, right? Your schedule is spiritual. It's a huge, huge deal. And today I hope what you're seeing here is that boundaries help us stay close to God and do what he wants us to do. That's why they're so important. Boundaries help us stay close to him in those moments when we want to say yes to everybody else. No, 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 no. I, I didn't spend my time with Jesus yet. I guess I'm going to bed a little later then. Like, oh, no, this is what we do. We, we spend time with God right here, right now. I'm, I'm going to make my little dividing line, make sure I'm with him. Oh, I got to get up early tomorrow. I got to get up at 6. All right, I'm going to get up at 5.30 because I need this time with God. And when I do that, all right, maybe I'll be a little bit more tired, a little more crust in my eyes as I'm driving to work. But do you know what? I can bet I'm going to love a little bit better. I can bet I'm going to have a little more patience in my heart. I can bet my marriage is going to be better. I can bet the way I interact with my kids is going to be better because I've spent that time. I can bet I'll walk through my day a little bit more on mission that there are people in my office, there are people on my block, there are people in my school that need Jesus because I've got that boundary line in place. And so, how do you need to create some boundary lines so that you can say yes to God when it comes to your relationship with him? Where do you need to draw those lines so you can be near your Savior? I'll give you one that I think is really important. And of course, I would say this because I'm the pastor, right? But I think one of the most important boundary lines we can create is to make sure we're here in this room together on Sundays. Now, I get it. We can't be here every week. I go on vacation. I miss some Sundays, right? But man, if I could just encourage you that it's so important that you're here gathered with God's people on Sundays. This is one of the ways we do it. God is gracious to give us Sunday, day of rest, and worship together. Come together. Now, why do I say this? 
Because you need church and the church needs you. Honestly. You need your souls refreshed. Every Sunday, right? We go seven days and then it's like, wow, I got beat up this week and my boss this and my friend that. And man, it was tough. And I realize, guys, we got people who are nurses and doctors and policemen and you have some people who have to work Sundays. Okay. But man, be here consistently. I've had a few conversations with some people in the last few weeks that came up to me and they just said, you know, Doug, we're back. We're back. We, we were gone for a while. We, we let some things kind of get in the way. We didn't have our barrier in place and we missed church and, and, we, and we really noticed a difference when we weren't here. But not only do you need church, we need you. You might say, I'm not even on a team or anything, Doug. Yeah, but when you walk through that door, you add to what's going on in this place. And you shake somebody's hand, you make a difference in this place. And you worship along with us, you impact the entire environment of what God's doing here. It is so important that you're here. We need you and you need us. If that weren't enough, God reminds us of how he blesses when we put him first, right? What do you say in Matthew 6? Seek first the kingdom of God, then all this other stuff will get added unto you. But have this, have this in place. Don't let all the stuff kind of choke all that out. And we try to make this as easy as we can for you, right? We got three services, so if there's a soccer game in the morning, sweet, we'll see you at 7, right? Or if there's a barbecue at 7, great, we'll see you at the 9.30, 11.30, right? But just making this a priority is so important for our souls and for the souls of our families. What would it look like to create some boundaries for you to be able to say yes to what God wants you to do? Right? All right, God, I gotta say no to this person so I can say yes to you and be the spouse, the parent, the friend, the single person, the light in this world you want me to be. I gotta say no to this so that I can rest and actually act like a follower of Jesus in the workplace instead of being so tired I can't even bear it, right? What's on your stop doing list? Because if we do this, We'll be healthy people who make up a healthy church. And if we do this, we may just see our marriage put back together because the love of Jesus is now shining through us. We may just see the kids trans- our relationship with our kids transform because now we have that boundary line in place. We're spending time with God and we're loving through him and the patience of Jesus is flowing through us to our kids from now on. You might just start to lead some people to Jesus because you have the breathing room to spend the time with them. Man, I wonder what would happen if you and I say, I want to be a healthy person. And I want this to be a healthy church. And I know those boundaries will help me stay close to God and do what he wants me to do. If you're not a follower of Jesus, again, you might be like, wow, again, kind of threw me a curveball here, Doug. I wasn't expecting this in church. But if I could just close today by reading you what Jesus said when it has to do with not just physical rest and busyness, but the rest our souls need. You and I carry around the weight and the guilt of the sin that you and I have committed in our lives. Look what Jesus says in Mark 11. This has nothing to do with physical rest. This is about spiritual rest. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, hey, you know how you, like, you do bad stuff and then you try to you know, figure, your, figure all that out and work it away by doing a bunch of good stuff? Well, guess what, Jesus says? I got on the cross and died in your place to remove that sin. So you'd have to... You wouldn't have to keep trying to fix yourself. Allow me to save you. Allow me to rescue you. I'll give you real rest. Rest for your soul. If you want to put your trust in Jesus today, I'll give you a chance to do that in just a minute. But I hope you're challenged today. I hope you come back around this truth. The boundaries help us stay close to God and do what he wants us to do. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for how practical your word is. And as we remind ourselves today that our schedules are spiritual, we ask you for help with them. We ask you in the busyness of life and sometimes the distractions we find ourselves in, God, to get us back away from all that and find ourselves focusing back in on the relationship with you 
and doing what you want us to do. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you just pray about that for a minute? Would you really just cry out to God for some help and some wisdom to know how to navigate all of this? And please know, I don't live this perfectly. And this is not me coming down hard on anybody today. This is, all, this is about us. I, I needed this message preached in my own heart today too. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I would encourage you to begin a relationship with him like this. Just begin a, a conversation. You can pray this. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for showing me that I need you today. Thank you that you want to give rest to my soul. So forgive me of my sin. Show me what it is to follow you. And help me to always have that boundary in place to be close to you and to do the things you call me to do. In your name I pray, amen.